Come on, he loves you right where you are. Look at somebody and say, it's all good in Jesus' name. And grab your seat. Super Bowl Sunday. I don't know who y'all got today. Man, he, I, I just, I'm so excited to be in a house where you can be who you are and uh, that doesn't scare God. Anybody glad about that? I just want to encourage you. Don't cover up. Don't. Somebody said this the other day. I heard it. It said, vulnerability is giving someone a loaded gun and trusting them not to use it on you. And so think about that, whether it's your spouse or God, like God, God has every atomic weapon in the closet on you that he could use to blow you out of the water, right? I mean, he could do, but the point of God is, the point of what, you know, is that even though he knows those things, those weaknesses, he chooses to use grace to heal and make whole and not to use those weapons against you, but actually use his grace to encourage your weaknesses. Actually use his grace to encourage those areas of, of weakness. And so you have to get vulnerable and real and trusting with him or one another, and so that you can trust it, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to allow someone to encourage my weaknesses and strengthen me in this thing called life. We uh, have had an amazing couple weeks in church. Last week was an amazing week. I don't know if you were here uh, for, for, I know you might not have been here all three services, but um, maybe this service was the one you were, were in and we had some spontaneous, ba- we had seven spontaneous baptisms last week. Just not even people that signed up. Listen to me, like, and I'm telling you, like for the first time, I, I don't know, someone uh, wrote me and just said, hey, God, the things you've been talking about in your heart for years, just are, you're, we're seeing those things. God's doing some of those things. And I think that last Sunday was one of the most powerful water baptisms. We, we've had uh, Sundays where there's been more people water baptized, but I think just spiritually, like the, the atmosphere and the move of God on people's hearts, I could see them weeping, just just coming, just the power of God coming on them as they got water baptized. And, and all, if you weren't here, all three services, it was happening, all three services, people weeping and shaking and getting in the tank and then, and then getting baptized and then clinging on to the people that were baptizing them and just hanging there for for dear life in God it was just so powerful and like I just kept getting a glimpse of like the 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 mission of what God's doing here in our church come on somebody we we are winning somebody come on we we are winning how many know it's fun to win I'm just saying to watch that it's like God just was whispered that to me we are winning and uh, I'm just so proud of you guys being hungry for God and um, today is Next Steps. Some of you heard that. Next Steps is a, a couple-hour class. Starts at noon, and um, it's the next step. If, you're, if you've been here and you're wanting to get deeper into our church, check it out. Get on a team. It's a place that you can really discover kind of how God designed your leadership and who you are, and then figure out a little bit about our church, mission, vision, values, meet some pastors, leaders, and then really say, I want to get in and make church happen for other people. Somebody made church happen for you. And, 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 and when I say church, not just, it's not just like doing church. It's us. It's relationship. It's life. And, and there's a lot that goes on behind the scenes and in front of the scenes and everywhere, you know. And so we need you on the team. And so I want to encourage you. Don't just be a, be a you know, consumer. Be, be a contributor. And that's what really Next Steps is about. And so uh, you'll never really fully get the vision and mission until you're serving on a team, until you're in a connect group, until you're jumping in and making it happen for somebody else. And so I want to encourage you to jump in as your pastor. And I believe that God has something for you in that. So if you haven't been to Next Steps, today is the day. we got a lunch for you. It's, it's at noon over at our cafe. And then this Wednesday night, everybody say one night. It's for our students, sixth grade to 12th grade. It's going to be an amazing night. We're going to have, I mean, prizes, games, food. Um, if you know teenagers, have teenagers, or, uh, you know, have some neighbors that are teenagers, bring them here. And uh, it's going to be a great, a great night on, on next Wednesday night, the 5th, this Wednesday night. So let's check that out. We're believing God. Keep praying with us for this next generation, guys. We believe for a move of God in the next gen. Let me just say this. As our, our next gen church, I'm so proud of 
you and your families and the next generation that is here. A lot of our, our students serve back in our kids' area, make church happen in TC Kids in the garage. We're dreaming and believing. Some of our kids did some worship back there uh, in, our, in our camp in the summer, and we're believing for those type of things. And our, all through our nursery and our preschool in the kids' area, our, our teens are serving and, and giving their heart and life. So we see teens worshiping. We got, it's cool to see next gen where people are, are welcomed as a next generation to serve and be a part of the church. Come on. Young people uh, can get in an environment where God is celebrated, and I think that's a good thing, and be used with their gifts and talents. We're starting a new series today called La Familia. Everybody say La Familia. You got to say it with a little bit of... You can see, I don't know, you, yeah, a lot of us are wearing, we're in, a lot of us got the shirt, right? And so if you didn't, we have them uh, out there for sale. Let me, let me just say this to you. Some of you are like, well, why don't they wear church shirts, you know? <laughs> well, well why? Here, here's why. Because A, they're cool. And, and B, uh, we, we like, you, you, wear, you, you wear what you like. You wear what you support. You, come on, who has a jersey of a team they like or a, a hat of the team? Why do, you wear, why do you wear that? You're not on the team, you know? What, why, you wear that shirt or that hat because you like, you identify with that team. You want to represent that team. You want to let people know I'm on that team. This is my team. This is my people, right? And so that's why we wear Transformation Church. Like, we're on that team. We're proud of our team. Our team is winning. Like, you know, it's exciting to, to be out in the public and say, this is my team, somebody. What up? La Familia. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in the family. So anyway, I would encourage you to grab a shirt or a, a sweatshirt if you'd like to get one. But uh, you're in the family either way. But come on, let's represent uh, in Jesus' name. Come on, we're going to jump into this series. And the title for today is called Giant Jenga. I've got a, uh, I don't, I might need some help getting this off of here. Come on, Josh, will you help me out real quick? I don't want to knock them all down as I take this off and ruin my illustration. Um, come on, we got giant Jenga here today. And so I didn't put that together. Um, I'm going to try to uh, deconstruct it a little bit, but we're going to talk about love, sex, relationship, and marriage, right? Love, sex, in this series, love, sex, relationship, and marriage. It'll be pretty PG-13, um, and so we need to learn about all that from, uh, from the Bible. Come on, we don't need it from the world, we need it from the Word, right? And so I think it's important uh, about love, sex, relationship, marriage. That's the wrong order, by the way. <laughs> and a lot of times we get these things backwards when it has to do with love and sex and relationship. And so just the thought of giant Jenga is this, this thing is built with a foundation that if I'm playing you in Jenga, I'm going to start kind of, I'm not going to go for this area up here. I'm going to start trying to pull out the foundation of this thing. And as I can get the foundation pieces pulled out, I can, I can begin to erode away at what makes this thing stand. And that's what happens in a lot of times what the enemy does and in our, what our culture does. And the culture begins to attack the actual foundation of, of marriage, the actual foundation of relationships, the actual foundation, what holds it all together. Here's the thing. We get to a, a wedding day and we say, we say, I do, but we don't know how. And so what culture has done is, is, is tried to get us to promise beyond our preparation. None of you can make promises beyond your preparation. And, and so what happens is we, we, we make these decisions and we try to make these promises, but we can't keep them because we never prepared a foundation. We never did it God's way. We never made some decisions. And so maybe we're dating or we're looking for a relationship or maybe we're in a marriage and we never had the right foundation. God can always repair a foundation, but the enemy's going after the foundation. My brother uh, and I lived in Charlotte for years. My wife and I moved there, and my brother still lives there, and I was looking for one of my first homes to buy in Charlotte. 
And, and I'm not a big construction guy. Come on, Alex. Alex builds houses and fixes all that stuff. I don't do that. And uh, I try. I got some holes in my ceilings right now I got to fix up. I've been there for a little while. A little while. And, uh, and, and, I, and I was looking at this house to buy. And I don't know if it's a good house or a bad house. And so we're looking at And it's the style. It's exactly the house that my wife and I want. All of our style, all the colors, the little renovations, all the design, everything we love. Like, this is our house, baby. We're like, this is our house. We got the realtor. Let me know it's a process to buy a house, right? You don't just go and buy it. There's a process to it. And so there's realtors. There's looking at houses. And we looked at this house. Everything looked amazing. Then we went into the basement. And they showed us this basement. And the basement was actually all, all the columns, these brick columns that were holding the basement up were like crooked, like all bending like that. And then in other areas where, the, where these columns were, they were actually jacked up. There was these weird, like these foundation jacks that had blocks on the bottom. And then they were jacked up. I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's good. I called up my brother. I'm like, hey, bro, the house we found, it's amazing. Da, 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 da. He's just practical. He's a lawyer. He just, you know, no feeling involved in it. My wife and I are all like, it's our favorite house. We love it. It's the colors and we're emotional into it. You know, it's all this emotion. My brother's like, and I'm like, but there's this one thing, like, like the foundation's jacked up on stilts. And he's like, bro, walk away, dude. That's the, that don't. Don't, don't buy that. Just, you're gonna, that's going to cost you more in the long run. Don't do it. And I'm like, you don't understand, though. Like, it's our color, and we love the faucets, and we love, the, we, love, we love this, and we love that, and they've renovated it. He's like, bro, it's jacked up in the foundation. I didn't listen so much. And so then we went and got an appraisal, and we got people to look at it. And then how many know the bank, when they send out an appraisal, they also have a, a third party, someone called an inspector. And so what that does is they come in and they begin to inspect the investment that you're making and the bank's making. If you're borrowing money, they say there's this process. There's this, the house has to be in a certain condition in every area in order for you to buy it. And so the inspector looked at it and said, no, the bank will not loan you money on this unless you fix this. The foundation is too messed up. And so the, the, we, we actually backed out and walked away. Why? Why? Because we gave permission for someone outside of us to say yes or no. We gave permission to someone outside of our feelings to look at that, that emotional decision and say, no, 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 this is kind of jacked up in the foundation. And many of you, when it comes to love and relationships, you're all going by feelings. It just feels good. I, they just love, they love it. Cats, and I love cats. And they, and they love hamburgers, and I do too. And our eyes met over a Dorito commercial at last year's Super Bowl party, and he gets me. And I feel it. And you're saying yes to people that have no preparation and their foundation is all jacked up. And there's going to be more pain and more cost in the long run. And you need a third party, a pastor, a leader, a friend, a connect group, somebody outside of your feelings and emotions to help you see clearly because love sometimes blinds you. Because love, come on, because culture's gone by this feeling of love and it's fe this emotion of love, right? It's an emotion. Come on, anybody? Yeah. I've lost that love and feeling. Now it's gone, gone. Shot through the heart and you're to blame. Darling, you give love. <laughs> 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 
Come on, we, we, we've been tricked that it's this feeling and, and that if we lose that feeling, it's really, those are endorphins that crank up in your life and you're like, they just, oh, they're amazing. And you can't see all their dysfunction and all the messed up foundation in their life and they're just teetering and you're like, I love them so much and they get me and it's perfect. And, and the reality is when that love wears off, when the endorphins cool off, you're like, they're just not who I thought they were. No, they are. They are. You, you were just blind to it. You just didn't listen to anybody. You just went all by emotions. And here's the scary thing. Society has told us a lie that you got to find the one. And so what happens is when the endorphins wear off, you're like, you know what? They're the wrong one. They're, they're not the one. And Disney's told you this fairy tale lie about it's going to be perfect and and it's all going to be happily ever after. No, that's not how it works. It takes a lot of hard work and a lot of uh, sweat and preparation and tears and, and, and life and understanding and hard work and sweat and pre- preparation and tears. And, and then what happens is when you're looking for the one, some of you are sitting in here married and, and you're still looking. Or you're like, well, one day they'll die. <laughs> And I'll be a grieving widow <laughs> or a widower. <laughs> Come on, somebody, don't act like you. Come on, this is marriage. That's right. And that's real. And the enemy does these th- kind of things. And so you're, you're still looking. And I, I just want to try to encourage you. Love is not a feeling. Here's, here's some things. Number one, just very, very simple. Love is more than a feeling. Love is more than a feeling. It's not just, it's not just, what, you're, just what you're feeling in the moment. It's not just, just what you're, how you connect. It's not just an emotion. It's more than a feeling. I've got three children. I wasn't great through the years of changing diapers and doing stuff, and cleaning up puke and all that, but I did it sometimes, right? Why? Not because I was like, woo, I, wanna, I just love. I just love the feeling of cleaning up their puke. I just, no, I decided that it was a commitment, somebody. That no matter how messed up they were, how jacked up they were, how dirty or how messy they were, that I was committed to love these kids because they were my kids. And, and love is more than just if I feel like doing it all through the years. I've never felt like doing certain things for my kids or my, or my wife or my family. I never felt like it. It's like, but, but, but I do it because love is a commitment. And I've committed that I'm going to clean up my kids' mess until they mature enough where they can clean up their own mess. And, and, and I'm so committed to love them that if they never mature to the point where they can take care of their own mess, I'm committed to them for the rest of their life that I'll help them with their messes. That's how commitment works. And what happens with us is we think we want somebody that has no mess. We want a mess-free person because we think we have no mess. <laughs> the reality is we all are messy. Come on, we've all got a mess. And, and, and our love goes beyond just a feeling. It's actually saying, you know what? I'm committed to your mess. I'm committed in this marriage. I'm committed to these things. And you're like, well, I just don't feel it. I just don't feel love anymore. Here's the reason why. Because love isn't an emotion. Love is an action. Somebody, come on, listen to me. Love, the reason you don't feel it is because motion creates emotion. Motion e- creates emotion. And so, so the reason you don't feel love anymore is because you've quit acting in loving ways. And we've got it reversed where we're like, I don't feel it, I don't feel it, I don't feel it. So now you're not doing anything for it. Love is a decision and it's an action. If you, if you listen to Jesus, he says, listen, I command you, love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemies, love those that use you. Love your neighbor. That's, that's not a noun, that's a verb. That's an action verb, right? 
If you go to Jesus for marriage counseling and he says, you know, you say, I've lost, we've lost that love and feeling, Jesus. It's gone, gone, gone. He's going to say, well, it's because you quit acting loving. You need to think about the verb and start acting yourself into a feeling. Is that good, anybody? You need to act yourself into actually feeling love. I'm telling you, this, this motion in your life will bring an emotion, and you'll actually begin to feel love again. You'll begin to decide, wait a minute, I'm going to act loving, and I'm going to believe that in that action, there's going to be an emotion, and I'm going to start actually feeling love again. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I, I'm, I mean, I, I know I've been married for 18, going on 19 years. When you stop acting in loving ways, you stop feeling in loving ways. I'm going to give you a couple secrets. I'm going to give you three or six things for guys and girls under this love is more than a feeling section. Here's some thoughts right here. For, this is secrets for husbands and wives to know on how to love each other. Uh, committed to love. This is going to help you, some of y'all. Y'all ready? That's going to help guys. It's going to help the girls. This is real, okay? Number one, husbands, I'm going to start with you guys. Wives, I'm going to help y'all out first. Husbands, secret to loving your wife. Number one, she wants open, honest, consistent, safe communication. She wants open, honest, consistent, safe communication. Put down the TV, put down the remote, put down the iPhone, schedule some time to talk, schedule some time to communicate. Communication to your marriage is like, light, is like air to your life. When communication stops, life stops. When communication stops, the breath stops, the, the breathing stops. Put some stuff down and communicate, guys. Come on, listen to me. Uh, research shows that women need communication just as much or more than men need sex. Okay? That's science. That's social research. And so what happens is, guys, y'all want to get intimate. Here, here's what happens. When, if, if you intimacy is into me see, right? And so a woman wants to penetrate you emotionally. You want to penetrate her physically. That's how God designed it. And if, if you want to get physical with her without allowing her to be emotional with you, she feels used and abused. And so that's why when you go to have sex and be intimate and she starts dumping emotionally on you, you're like, uh, I thought we were doing something else. She's got, she's got you captive. You can't go nowhere. You're like, uh-huh. Say whatever. You're like, I thought you were like there for 30 minutes here. You're like, I thought we were doing something else. Come on. And, and it's your fault. It's your fault because you've never given her a, a space or a safe place to communicate intimately and emotionally with you. And so now she's got you captive and you're upset and thinking she's just all emotional and you thought we were doing this, but you're doing this now. And it's because you never allowed her to penetrate you emotionally in some other avenue, right? So, so guys, give her a place to have consistent emotional, safe communication where she can get into your heart. There's a proper time for everything, somebody. Come on, and if you take care of it out there, she'll take care of it in here. Y'all need to take notes today. I'm, I'm, I'm helping y'all. Some of y'all, that's a man of God right there. <laughs> I'm taking notes. <laughs> Two, she wants to feel protected spiritually emotionally physically financially get a job somebody keep a job quit making excuses like protect her don't make her cry wipe away her tears you know but be the man come on guys yeah amen ladies emotionally spiritually physically financially she shouldn't wonder where you are she should know where you are when you when she grabs for your phone you shouldn't flinch all weird yeah well give me whoa she should have every, every password, every code to your phone. If you're acting weird when she's going for your phone, something's wrong. Come on, ladies, get his phone. Talk to me. Bring his phone to me. 
bringing it to pastor. If he's acting funny, something's funny. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm just, some of you guys are upset right now. That's okay. I love you. I love you, but I love Jesus more. Pray for your family. Come on, lead your family. Not just a little prayer at meal time. Like God. No, pray for your family. Believe for your family. Get your, be, be, a, be a man. Create strong families. Do things with your family. Come on, handle stuff. Look what Nehemiah 4.14 says. 14 says, and, and I look and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. Fight! Come on, baby, I'm, I'm, if you leave, I leave. We're together in this. <laughs> I'm fighting for our marriage. I'm fighting for our life. I'm fighting for our kids. I'm fi- I'm not, come on, I might be tired, but I'm not laying down. I might rest in Jesus, but I'm not going to go to sleep. Come on, anybody? Right. We got to be men that fight. Right. Three, she needs quantity and quality time. Sometimes we confuse it, but uh, I think, you know, there's different ways that women like to be loved and men like to be loved. Five love languages. If you haven't read that book, an amazing book, five love languages. One of my wife's love languages is acts of service. She loves me to do stuff. I could pay to have stuff fixed in the house. Doesn't matter. If I go fix it myself, she's like, "Woo! why I love you. It's like, I could pay to have it all fixed, right? I go, but, but that's not the same. Like if I go and do it, like she's like, wow, that's amazing. And so, so you need to love your wife. Listen, this is what quality time is, loving her the way she likes to be loved, right? Okay, quantity time we think is like dinner and a movie, hour and 40 minutes. You went and didn't talk. <laughs> some, of y'all, some of y'all's relationships are messed up because that's what you do, dinner and a movie, dinner and a movie. No, quantity time is actually preparing and pursuing her with romance, figuring out how to be romantic. That's it takes time to be romantic. It takes time to prepare. It takes time to put some stuff together and figure out how to how to how to love her with quantity time. Does that make sense, guys? I think you need to do both. It's like not just dinner and a movie. That's fine sometimes, but like put some effort into it. The last one, number four, she wants to be pursued. That kind of goes with that one. Like pursue her. Whatever you did to get her, keep doing to keep her. Like whatever you did back then, all this stuff. I'm preaching it myself too. I've been promising my wife a poem for a while. It's like I'm gonna write that poem, baby. I got the title. <laughs> I do have the title. <laughs> and my wife is, she's got, she's got a little ear infection today, so she can't be here. She's like, I'm going to miss the first part of the family series. I'm like, it's all right. I got this one. <laughs> Might be good day one. You know, no, she knows what I'm preaching to you guys. And uh, I, I just, I think it's important for us to, you know, do the things that, 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 that she loves or figure out how, how she likes to be loved. Does that make sense? So pursue her, put time into it. Wives, let me help you real quick. Here's how to love your husbands. I got a few minutes left. Number one, he desperately needs your respect. And look, this goes for relationships too. If you're not married, if you're single, this is preparing you for, for, for marriage, for a relationship. He desperately needs your respect. He needs to know that you believe in him. Even the most confident man, the most successful man needs to know that you respect him and you're proud of him and that you believe in him. I know we might think we're so tough and we've got it, but, but when we aren't respected, we act in unloving ways. And when you're not loved, you act in disrespectful ways. And it becomes this cycle called love and respect that there's a whole book about. It's an amazing, uh, amazing truth that women need love and feel, feel love. Men need respect. And so, so we need to feel respected, women. I mean, we need, ladies, I, I think there's something that happens in our heart when we're, when we're respected. And, and you might say, well, he's not respectful. That's okay. Honor the man that you believe him to be. 
begin to begin to call out who he is, declare who he is. Like he don't act respectful. Begin to declare it. If he comes home, I, I, it's so different. Going well, I just you don't do this, and I wish you were this, and I wish you were that, and I wish you did this. And instead of doing that, how about you start saying, "This is who you are, and this is what I see in you, and this is what I believe about you." And you begin to declare some stuff. We respond better to honor than anger. I'm telling you, like. Like, like if, if I come home, my wife's like, you know, you serve that church and you work so hard and you do this and you're in all this and you don't, I wish you did all that for our home and I wish you did that for our kids. Like I wish, and this has been sitting here three days and you hadn't fixed any of that. You know, I'm going to be like, shut up. I want to run. And I might do it, but that's just to shut her up. That's just, can we be real? Yeah. But, but, but I call it the hero syndrome. What, what if, what if I come home and the hero syndrome, she just starts saying like, I just walk in the door and she's just like, mmm. <laughs> we don't, <laughs> we're, we're simple. <laughs> How simple are we? It's like, mmm. Mmm. Baby, I. I thank you for what you're doing at work. And I thank you for how hard you're working for our kids. And I thank you for what you're doing for our family. I thank you for going there. And I know, I know we got things to work on, but I think, hmm. And I'm like, I'm going to, I'm getting the drill. I'm, I'm breaking stuff to fix it. I'm like, man, what can I, what can I break? I'll fix that tonight. Just, just begin to, just begin to treat him like a hero, man. Watch Watch what he does. Number two, he needs you to initiate sex. Some of you men, you've never taken a note in church in your life. You're like, this is a man of God. (laughs) He needs you to initiate sex. And he needs you to respond when he initiates sex. Okay? And, and, And listen... I, I, I get uh, your men. It's scientifically proven. Men have one sexual thought per minute every day. Some of y'all, some of y'all's faces. You might, you might as well give him something to think about. Can we be real? Are y'all okay? Y'all's faces are like, oh. you might one a minute. Why does the Bible say take every thought captive? We have a lot of them. One a minute. Like, give him... You know how hard it is to, to have an affair? Like, do you know how hard, like, the planning and the secret texts and the secret phone calls and the secret meetings and the secret gifts and all? Why not you spend that much energy and time on your marriage and on your relationship and find him and, and sneak up on him, send him a little envelope with a key to a hotel room and be like, meet me here? Mm. <laughs> begin begin to... to to put into that, right? I mean, I think that's so important. Like, schedule romance and believe in your marriage. The Bible says we should be intimate often. It's the Bible. I'm giving you the word of God. I've done counseling where I have to tell couples. I said, listen, here's the rules. You have to do it three times a week. She initiates once. He initiates once. And then you can do it once without the initiation. But you can, neither one of you can say no in the initiation. Like, you, you, can, you can only say no once, right? So, so that guarantees three times a week, right? Somebody, y'all, somebody's writing this down. You're like, oh, my God. 
This is real stuff. I mean, you need to schedule romance. You need to actually plan this out and believe God for these kind of things. You're like, look what Corinthians says. Verse 3, 7, chapter 7. Let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise to the wife do, do the husband. The wife does not have authority over her body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another except to consent for a time that you may give yourself to fasting and prayer. I don't know what that's about. And then come. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. And then come together again so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. This is, what, this is God's idea. And, and again, listen, ladies, I know, I know you, you can't, every time he initiates, you can't, it's not okay, yeah, every time. Like, you can say no, but say no with a caveat. Like, not tonight, but in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Husbands, don't, knock, don't begin to knock on her at 1201. Like, hey, you got slow jams on. It's 1201. <laughs> don't do, I'm helping y'all. Number three. Number three, <laughs> it's the morning, you know. He, wa- he, wa- <laughs> he wants to know that you're his best friend. And, and this is what that means to a guy. Do stuff he wants to do and that he likes to do. And don't just do it because you're forced to. Like, learn it. Like, figure out how to play golf or how to play tennis or, 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 what, or watch a football game and don't just watch the game and act like, ah, I don't even get the football. No, learn it. Like, like, take time. Like, yes, have best friends. You should have BFFs and all that, but let him be your best friend. Let him be the one, right? And, and never have the opposite sex best friend. Like, listen, guys and girls, you should never have friends of the opposite sex that, sex that aren't friends with you and your, and your spouse or you and your friend. Like, that doesn't make sense. The Bible says the marriage bed is undefiled. How weird would it be? The marriage bed doesn't just mean sex. How weird would it be if, if like, you asked me, like, oh, you're married to Sandra? Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm going to Susie's tonight, and we don't touch or we don't have sex or anything, but I just lay in her bed, and we just share secrets and talk. <laughs> you guys would be like, what in the world? You'd fire me, like my wife. We don't touch. It's not, no, it's not sexual. It's not sensual. I just lay there next to her on the couch, and, and, I talk, and she's just a good friend. Susie, we just talk. My wife would freaking kill me. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't have any of those relationships like that outside of your, your, your relationship, your dating relationship or your marriage relationship. You, that's, a, that's a special place, right? Women, when you have a guy friend that you give all those secrets to and all those thoughts to apart from your husband, that, may, that feels that way to him. You should have him as your best friend. Is this helping you? Four, he wants to feel appreciated. He wants to feel appreciated. It's proven men would rather hear you say thank you than I love you. It's, it's different. Yes, yes, we know we, we want to feel love, but, but to us, thank you is, is love. Like, he would rather hear you say thank you, thank you, thank you, than, than I love you. It's, it's, and, and so love is more than just a feeling. It's some of these actions. Here's number two. Number one, love is more than a feeling. Number two, love is a commitment. This is going to go a little bit faster now because these are going to be a little bit shorter thoughts. Love is a commitment. When we say yes to the commitment of love, it's not the way culture says yes. Culture is this. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. I'm going to mess with some of y'all today. Culture is hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up. This is not, that's not God's way. And some, I'm just... I just got to take your hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up, hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. Hook up, shack up, break up, repeat. And you're like, I do one day. No, you don't. You can't. You haven't prepared. 
I'm committed. No, you're not. You've hooked up, shacked up, broken up, and repeated. Check them out. Try them out. If it don't work out, throw them out. Check them out. Try them out. If it don't work out, throw them out. And so we go to these wedding rehearsals when they're actually divorce rehearsals. We actually live in a culture that's training us for divorce. And some of y'all are mad at me right now, and I I understand. I I just got to tell you, and it's more than a feeling. It's, it's a commitment. Love is a commitment. Till death do us part. I'm willing to work on my foundation. I'm willing to get my preparation right. I'm willing to get counselors and people in my life to tell me I need some help. I need to shore up some things. And I need to quit acting certain ways. Number three, love is not blind. Blind love is dangerous love. Love is not blind. Blind love means this, that you're going to be so obsessed with them, you're going to overlook all of their faults until they abuse you over and over and over, and you'll ignore it, and you'll be hurt from one thing to the next. That's why women end up with abusers over and over, or men end up with abusers over and over, because it says love is blind. I just love, I just, I'm just so in love with them. No, here's why it's dangerous, because you and I cannot tell the difference between good and evil. You cannot, apart from God. The wisest man on the planet named Solomon said, God, give me discernment to tell good from evil. Help me understand what's good and what's evil. You and I are going to need help understanding what is good and what is evil. Satan tempts us. He tempted Eve. He said, listen, look at the fruit in which he saw it was good and pleasing and good for food. When it looked good, smelled good, tasted good, sounded good, that's how we go with culture. The music looks good. The, the video looks good. The, the show looks good. The culture, it looks good. It sounds good. It tastes good. Hook up, shack up, you know, repeat. Hook up, shack. It looks good. But, but I'm just... It's not from God. Look what James 1, 16 and 17 says. Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Isn't it interesting that he says, do not be deceived? James only says that twice. He's saying that you and I are going to have a tendency and be very vulnerable to deception to understand where good and evil come from. And that the only thing that's good actually comes from God. And if it's not from God, it's actually evil. And that you and I will be tempted and and have a hard time apart from God knowing what is good and what is evil. And that we need God's help in that. And that we can't go by our feelings. We can't go by our emotions. We can't go by culture. We can't go by our friends and what they say. We can't go by popular popular opinion. We've got to go by what the Bible says. And we've got to subject our feelings and our emotions and all the things that we've been taught and learned to the word of God. And say, Jesus, you have the last say. I want to live according to your plan. And I want you at the middle of all this. I don't want the enemy to destroy some things in my life. And the enemy's attacking us. If you're married, if you're not married, he's attacking over and over and over. And he uses bait to attack us. And some of us, come on, you ever heard that term? She thirsty. He's thirsty. They thirsty, right? Well, you know what that means? That means that you're so thirsty, you're so desperate for something, you'll lower your standard to do anything to get it. I was studying these terms. Come on, Drew, you were a military over, over at different places. There's a term when men and women go to the desert on deployment, and they're in the desert. There's a term called a desert queen and a desert king. <laughs> He's laughing right now. That means that those, that person would not be attractive at all back in the United States, but they a queen over in the desert. Are they a king in the desert? They're looking. You've lowered your standards because you're so thirsty. The devil's gotten some of you to lower your standards so much in relationships and in marriage and all these things because you're so thirsty. You haven't filled up on God. 
Bible says if you would hunger and thirst for righteousness and his kingdom and rightness in God, that you'd be filled. Like, but you're still thirsty and the devil's tempting us. And he uses different kinds of baits and bait has hooks in it. I got so much more to tell you and share with you. There's different types of baits. I was looking at and studying one bait is the spinner bait. That bait goes in the water. And if there's any, any fisherman, the spinner bait, it's like real shiny and it's sparkly and it just comes across the water fast. The bass love it. It's just fast. Come on. Some of y'all got hit by the spinner bait. You're like, oh, it's just so, he's so, so beautiful. It's so sparkly. It's so shiny. He just gets me. We just know each other in one month. We know each other fully in one month. He knows me. Ah. There's another one called the crankbait. It's got this spoon on the front of it. And when it goes in the water, the bass, it can hear it. And it actually, the spoon makes it dive deep. You're like, he's just so deep. She's just so deep. She just, it's just so deep. And he understands the depths of my life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're pulling you deeper and further away from the will of God. Just, just pulling you. There's another one called the plop bait, the whopper plopper. Come on, anybody heard of that? It, it's. <laughs> It, it, it goes on top of the water. It's a top water bait. That doesn't even go down in the water. It just pops on top. And the bass here, it makes a noise. like, And it's like, it's like, it's not even meant to be in the water. And some of y'all are like, man, this thing isn't, I've never even seen this in my life. Like I never, people never like that are attracted to me. And I've never, and if I don't bite on this, I'll never get this opportunity again. It is not going to be in the water forever because it's not usually in my life. And I don't get out there. Boom, it got you. Then you got the big fish bait, the big marlin and tuna baits that go 20 miles an hour behind those big troll boats. And they go deep out where those fish are that have never been caught. These are dangerous baits. These are the fish that actually have never been caught because they think they're smarter and better and they're, and, they're, and they're wiser than any other fish. And they get snagged by these big baits. That's why you, even though you've never been, you've never fallen, you've never maybe, maybe had a problem, but, but you need people in your life. You need friends in your life. You need, because Satan's always fishing for the big fish. He's using bait. Last verse, Ephesians 5.18, it says, Be not drunk on wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. It's not a verse about alcohol. Listen to me. It's a verse about if you don't fill up on the Spirit, you'll fill up on something. If, if you don't fill up on, on Jesus, you'll be thirsty for something. Jesus went to the woman at the well. He said, you've been with five men, and the one you're with right now is not your husband. But if you'll take and drink this, you'll actually never thirst again. So I'm just talking about relationships and marriage and culture. And listen, if your marriage is in a tough spot or your relationship's in a tough spot and you're thirsty or you know you need to be filled up on something, God can fix a marriage that's hurt. He can fix brokenness and put beauty into it. I want to pray for restoration of some marriages today. Some of you who might be looking, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up. Yep, I'm looking. I'm not going to ask you to do that. But maybe you know you need to be filled up with God. You need to be filled up on some things of the Spirit. The other one that some of you got caught by is the frog. You know the frog? Once I kiss him, he'll be a prince. Fish like frogs. Some of you love fixer-uppers. Well, I'm just called to him. Just called to her. No, 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 no. They're called to Jesus. If he can't fix them, you can't fix them. If they're not on fire for God, they can't be on fire for you. I want to be thirsty for God. Come on. I know you're in a tough spot, some of you. Some of you might not be, but you, you think you're all good. That's a dangerous place. Like, I need people. I need, I need leaders. I need connect groups. I need friends. I need family. Stand to your feet with me. Let me pray for you today. Maybe you just know you need to be filled up. Come on, God can heal a marriage. God can give you some wisdom and relationships this morning. Father, we just come to you with our heads bowed, our hearts open. 
Lord, this stuff's not easy. Lord, we, we can be strong. We can be filled up, God, in a, in a tough marriage. We can be filled up. We, can, we don't have to be thirsty in a relationship. We don't have to be thirsty in this culture. We can be filled up, God. We ask you to fill places and spaces in our life so we wouldn't fill them with other things or take the bait that the enemy throws at us over and over, especially in these areas of emotion and relationships and love and feeling. God, I pray that you would put into us and we would seek you and thirst for you. And that you would lead the way in these relational areas, God. Heal the areas that are broken. Sustain the areas that aren't. And shore up the areas that we need shored up, God. Put relationships and, and other friends and families and leaders around us. And young singles that, that are hungry for God if we're single. Or good wisdom and counselors and teachers. Let this be a family. Let us give permission to people outside of our emotions to say yes or no. As we prepare for the lifelong endeavor of marriage and relationships. If you're in this place, no one looking around, you just say, you know what? I, I need to be filled with the life of God. I, I'm not full. I'm, I'm not filled up with God. I need God in my life today. No one looking around. I'm going to ask you to put your hand up. I'm going to pray for you. If that's you, you, you know you've been thirsty. Come on. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. Already. God bless you, sir. Anybody else? I, I need to be filled with God today. I, God bless you, man. I need Jesus in my life today. God bless you. Come on. God bless you. Father, you see our hands. I'm just going to pray a prayer to ask God to fill us. I'm going to surrender to Jesus and just pray the prayer with me or your own words. Father God, you know our hearts. You see our hands. You know all the things we're tempted with to be thirsty for, all the, all the measures of success, all the cultures, uh, traditions, all the things that they say is, is what's worthy and what's honorable, God. But you're different. Your word says something different. Lord, let us hunger and thirst right now for you. Lord, fill us up with a thirst for you. Fill us up with your water, with your word. Let everything else be secondary. God, let you be first. Let our spouses be second, Lord. Let us be third. Let us not be full of selfish ambition and selfish desire and selfish motive. Let us be full of you so we can overflow with healing and life and blessing and serving and giving. I pray this supernaturally in our homes in our marriages, and our relationships with our children. Lord, come on, we're going to have a, a strong marriage, a strong family, a strong church. Jesus, we thank you for giving us your life on that cross. We surrender to you today as our Savior. We ask you to fill us with you and who you are so we don't fill up on anything else. We, we hunger and thirst for you today. You're our Savior. You're our Master. You're our Lord. We'll give you our life in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody. Amen. I hope this helped you today. Yeah, let's give God some praise for a, a good relationship.